Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Livestream Stars. I'm Ross Brand. Livestream Stars is the show where we feature talented broadcasters delivering high-quality content across live stream platforms. And tonight's guest is Rebecca Redis. She's a blogger at RebeccaRedis.com. She's one of the top five social media bloggers, according to uh, Social Media Examiner, the CMO at Post Planner, co-host of Influencer Chat, uh, 8 p.m. Tuesday evenings, I think that is, right? Uh, on Twitter, yeah. and the author of How to Use Social Media to Virtually Crush the Competition, and most recently has been uh, an on-air personality for CBS uh, TV in Los Angeles talking about the Super Bowl and social media, and uh, I figure that's a great way to warm up for tonight's appearance. Uh, but <laughs> for those people who... Um, who are outside the LA area. Talk a little bit about what your observations were, what you shared with people um, uh, in, in your TV appearances. Yeah, so Friday we talked about what was trending, what people were talking about, what people were looking forward to as far as the Super Bowls. So what was being said on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, all across you know the the, uh, the web. And then today we did a whole follow up. So we did two different segments in the five o'clock and the six o'clock hour, and wow. focused on just everything that went on um, over you know the the 24 hour span of the super bowl you know the hype it's just so crazy right right yeah so what was the what was the commercial everybody was focused on what was like the most popular commercial oh well you know that's tough um i think the uh the mountain dew one um was definitely talked about even though i thought it was kind of creepy uh <laughs> it, people seem to love it what, what is it monkey monkey puppy baby I'm try i keep trying to get it correct there was like the a correct fair number of people who didn't like it either i mean there's just a lot yeah. of chatter <laughs> they're right um, well and so they 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 did their job right they got right about exactly. no matter how you looked at it yeah and i guess the uh, the other one of the big things i saw this morning were the photos of uh eli manning when his brother <laughs> threw the, the final uh pass for a touchdown yeah. uh or for the two-point conversion i think it was after that last touchdown and he's not smiling and i i mean i think he's just you know he knows what how much more is left like for him, three minutes is it's not done yet. But people made a big deal like he was ha he wasn't happy his brother was going to have as many Super Bowls as he did. Yeah, you know, sometimes I think that's just the media making something up where there's probably not any brother is going to be happy for his brother. And, right. But yes, that that has definitely been a very big deal. Um, I thought Cam Newton uh, and walking out on his interview might have been a little bit bigger, uh, but wasn't as big as some of the news like, you know, Beyonce and uh, <laughs> Lady Gaga, of course, was was huge across social media. Uh, Betty White, I don't know if you saw that tweet, was super cute. I, I didn't see that one. Yeah, yeah, Betty White, at the, it, she was actually in the intro um, to the Super Bowl, and then she had tweeted out, and I think she has, gosh, 75,000 retweets, <laughs> uh, showing Cam Newton how to do his thing. So it was, right, yeah, you'll right. have to go check it out. Mm -hmm. Interesting, interesting. So um, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is um, visual marketing. Um, when When I look at your website, it's like, 
an example of how you do visual marketing. It's so striking, mm -hmm. all the color, like the from the color scheme to how you lay out um, your blog posts, how you use images. Um, in fact, I started using um, Relay for oh, my images. Yeah. Um, I remember you had recommended, you were on a, another blab and you'd recommended a bunch of different tools to use. And so I checked out different tools. And when I was like, well, do I want to try Relay or not? Do I want to get the subscription? And then I saw your picture there and I just said, okay, that's that's going <laughs> to be the one I'm going to do. So, Dendia. you know, as, yeah. as you can see, like I'm doing my show cards now all, you know, with, oh, with awesome. Relay. Um, and so I guess to bring this all together, um, it's not that hard. You don't have to be, I, I mean, I could never color between the lines in school or anything like that. You don't have to be an artist to create good visual content for your website and for your blog. Um, so tell people a little bit kind of how you got into doing that and how you, you've developed like over the years to where now your website just stands out as, as like, you know, among the best visual um, entities on the web. Oh, well, first of all, thank you very much for that. I really appreciate that. Uh, you know, it's 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 been an evolution for sure. Uh, I, where it started and just to back up a little bit. So I started blogging in 2004. Uh, and, you know, back when we probably, as I recall, didn't even call it blogging, um, right, right. probably more like journaling. Uh, and for me, right, right. having always been a writer, I just loved the idea of being able to put my ideas out there and share those, uh, share those with the world. But at the time, just thinking this little community of people that might actually like what I write about. And um you know so it was understanding what uh, uh who i was what i was about what i was writing about who my audience was uh, and then i identifying what my brand felt like to me uh, and when i first started to really figure that out i was working with somebody on my branding um just to get a better feeling of uh just everything that goes into it you know color theory and the psychology behind it and uh, down to the fonts and design of my logo you name it and I got a lot of pushback from everybody that I was talking with about the color orange. And I kept getting, mm -hmm. you know, orange is a little off-putting. It can be too bright. It can be overwhelming. And I said, but you know what? To me, it's vibrant. It's fun. Right. Um, it's my personality, at least what I envision it need to be, I guess. And people agreed with that. Uh, but they didn't necessarily agree with orange being the right color. And I'll tell you what, that was the single best decision I made was going against all of that advice right. and sticking with the color orange because it really, I think, has defined uh, my brand. And to me, I, I, I love everything about it. Uh, so, yeah, you know, like I said, it, uh, it's, it's been a work in progress. But once I nailed down that orange color, boy, I'll tell you, everything changed as far as uh, it, my graphics, um, really kind of nailing down the design for those. And those have evolved, too. And a lot of that right. has been because social media and image sizes have shifted and continued to change. 
but that I think, you know, for most people is probably the one thing you overlook when you start your company or you're an entrepreneur and you get out there, you're just so excited to put yourself out there. You forget how important it is to establish your visual brand. And right, so, right. I, I, you know, for me, I guess I, I, uh, I've always been a visual person, taught myself. I'm totally self-taught on Photoshop, no schooling whatsoever. So you will never right. hear me call myself a designer because <laughs> designers are freaking amazing. Um, mm -hmm. And I work with several of them. But uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's a, a hard thing, I think, for most people to really figure out uh, mm -hmm. what what your brand is all about, but it is so, so important. And I am so grateful that I did that early on and really did, you know, figure it out, but not just that, stuck with it. And the orange stands out. I mean, because so it's not the color that you see on every website. So yeah. it's, it's like you see orange, you go, there's one of Rebecca's images or that's, you know, that's her, that's her thing. It's like it immediately catches your attention um, in a sea of blues and reds and <laughs> blacks and I think so whites. too. There's, there's like a few of us. There's me, there's Pam Moore, there's Content Marketing mm -hmm. Institute. So I feel like I'm in really good company uh, with the color orange, but you're right. There's just not very many people using it. And I think it also comes across nicely on, on a computer. I don't know if it comes across different you know what i mean like there's the there's the theory of color and what different colors mean and everything yeah. but yet the the way certain colors come across on on a computer with a light behind it i think is different than the way you see them i don't know on a piece of clothing or on a you know painted on a wall or something like that so i think the orange really stands out in a in a very positive way oh, well thank you i think so too <laughs> so you know, when you when you put together a blog post, can you talk a little bit about the different visual elements? Because people are usually focused, first of all, on the writing, then they're focused on getting a couple of photos, maybe, or creating an image. But what are the essential visual elements that you feel should go into a, a blog post? Oh, wow. Well, there are so many. Uh, I think, really, you're only limited by your creativity. Uh, there's so many different elements we can use these days, everything from embedding a, a video like we're doing right here, you know, with the blab, mm -hmm. um, uh, getting that over onto YouTube and just grabbing that code and dropping that down uh, into your blog post to, you know, any of the images that you're sharing across social media. So maybe it's Facebook or Instagram, maybe it's a tweet. Uh, and embedding those so that you're cross-promoting all of your different uh, social networks. It could be an infographic. So at Post Planner, we um, we do a lot of repurposing. Uh, you know, we'll take a blog post, for example, that was very popular, uh, very high trafficked article. And we'll turn that into an infographic. And then maybe we'll write a whole new article around that, that infographic and then embed that infographic right in there. So there's, there's just so many different ways that you can use visual elements within your blog posts. And I, I you know, I think there's a lot of different reasons. Uh, you would want to, first of all, it's, you know, images are, 
uh, they capture our attention, they hold our attention, they give us something uh, to share, but they also give us a way to consume information in a very different way. Uh, so whether you want people to pin that over on Pinterest uh, or watch that video, whatever the case might be, you can use so many different types of media to engage a very different audience. And so the key is making it easy for the reader to share it. Like the work's all, like when I look at some of your blog posts, the work's already done. The tweet is written. The, yeah. the image is, is Pinterest friendly. Um, you know, you're, yep. you're, you're, you're saying, if you're going to do me the favor and share this, I'm going to do you the favor and make it easy for you to share this. And I'm going to make sure that the image looks good. I'm going to make sure the tweet is already written. Like everything is there that I would need to share one of your articles without even thinking about how I go about doing it. Right. I mean, that's yeah, a big that's part a I think, of what you do. Yeah. And so um, you know, where you is, definitely. Where is, I, okay. Sorry, I was going to say, I ahead. think you make an, an excellent point is do not make your readers hunt and pack to a either find something to share because you haven't created a featured image uh, or don't make it difficult on them to take that content and tweet it out. Uh, or take that content and pin it to Pinterest. I see that so often where you write this great blog post and then you make it difficult for people to share it. Uh, and, and adding those great visual elements will make it just super, super simple and a no brainer for people where they come, they read it, they're like, this is fantastic. I got to share it with my audience. So give them an easy way to do that. And I think that's a, a point that is often overlooked because as writers, we we write this great piece and we're like, woohoo, I, you know, I write the greatest piece I've ever written. And then you forget that there are other, you know, other key elements to that that are gonna allow people to help you spread or forward that message. Right, right. And so where does video come in uh, for you? Where does vi video marketing now come in? Um, both for blogging and just for general personal branding and, and business use? You know, I think for, for the most part, it's uh, live streaming. I am in love with this type of a format. We started with Google Hangouts and I think Blab really became everything that we ever hoped Hangouts would be. Um, mm -hmm. And I love the interactive nature, but you look at, in fact, I just wrote an article on Post Planner about um, Facebook Live video, which just rolled out to anybody in the US with iOS. And being in LA, I was one of the two cities, I believe, that had, um, they had opened that up to uh, within their within their beta and shame on me I hadn't taken advantage of it uh, because I've been heavily invested here in blab uh, doing at least one if not two blabs per week um, but I think you know as businesses you can look at uh, just about anywhere uh, you know from Google Hangouts to Blab to Periscope to Meerkat to Facebook Live Video. Now um, there's so many different options that there's no reason that you shouldn't be using video. And I've always been a, an enormous fan 
um, a video. But for me, right. and if you read my blog, you know I don't do anything without a strategy. And I've just had so many other things with my blog happening that I, I really couldn't focus heavily enough on implementing a solid strategy uh, up until Blab. Uh, so I've been slow to adopt Periscope. And I'll be honest, I think the big reason for me on that is I had a tough time with the lack of interactiveness on a Periscope right. or a Meerkat. For me, it's the same, the same kind of thing. I like this. I like talking yeah. to people and hearing, you know, um, either how they're reacting to what I'm saying or learning from them or whatever. And doing a soliloquy doesn't really <laughs> interest me, but I, I think it's a very valuable tool, Periscope. And I'm sure at some point I'm going to start using it because um, not everybody has to do the same thing on Periscope. And I think we're going to see people coming up with new and different and really more short form uh, uses of, of Periscope. What do you, what do you see just, uh, a big picture for live streaming. Like, what do you think 2016 is going to bring? What's going to be different this year from, from what we've seen? Well, I think you're going to see more and more brands embracing live streaming. I think there was a fear to it. Uh, we saw it happening in 2015, you know, with just the enormous mm -hmm. rise in popularity uh, with uh, Periscope, Meerkat, Snapchat, my goodness. Um, right. it, it, just unbelievable, the uh, adoption rates on all of those platforms. And I think brands, uh, some still really were hesitant in uh, the legalities and privacy and just so many different aspects of it. But I think we're going to see it uh, really take off. And those that embrace it, especially here in, you know, Q1, Q2, uh, right. of, of 2016 are going to be way ahead um, of the competition and the visibility opportunities. You know, when you think about it as a marketer and you think through the marketing funnel and just that that huge awareness opportunity of getting face to face with your customer base, mm -hmm. getting face to face with your audience in a totally different way than you've been able to previously. Um, sure, you know, you're creating conversation on Facebook or uh, on Twitter or on Instagram, but now with live streaming where they can interact with you in real time and ask you right. questions. And there's just so many different ways that you're gonna be able to uh, look at using that, that I, I think, again, we're gonna see another huge wave of adoption across um, across live streaming. And obviously, you know, Facebook yeah. has seen the opportunity. They had launched, uh, they had launched live streaming with the mentions app. And initially it kind of looked like if you weren't a celebrity, if you weren't somebody that was very well known that the rest of us weren't going to get it. And so <laughs> they've, they've definitely seen the light. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, Tim uh, says in the chat box, the genuine connection and the ability to shine real personality is the, the power of mm -hmm. live streaming. And that's that really hits the nail on the head. Um, one thing I'm wondering, um, you're not seeing a lot of brands, I don't think, right now using Blab. Um, perhaps a few are getting into maybe sponsoring Blabs. Um, but do you think that, that brands are going to get into actually hosting blabs like i mean i think a blab would be a great way for somebody to demonstrate a product 
um, that's already on the market to people who purchased it and say, here's some features you don't know. And then other people could come in and, and see for the first time how it works. And then maybe they're interested in buying and then they can repurpose. I mean, I think there's things that brands can do. I know, it, I know Blab, let's be honest. I mean, we both worked in radio um, and, and you worked in television. I mean, this is, this is a small audience even compared to most college radio stations at this time. Yeah. The connection that you make is very strong um, and so if you're trying to network and you're trying to reach people and you, you just enjoy the social conversation, Blab is a wonderful forum. But is it too small a field right now for, for brands to play in when it comes to deciding to put their own talent on, on air or to hire other people to, you know, either pitch their product or host a show around content related to the, the larger theme of their, their business? I know no, that's that was kind an of excellent. A <laughs> no, no, it, it was a terrific question because I think there's oh, a lot you. to think about there. There's a lot to think about depending on, you know, what size. I uh, are 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 you a big brand? Are you you know small to mid sized company? Small to mid sized companies, I think, have uh, embraced Blab. I think because so many were already on Hangouts and were looking for. Uh, that next best thing is something I mean, that let me gave just, them. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the thing is, when you say small, we're seeing solopreneurs and very small, like consultants, uh, solo marketers, marketing consultants, small business consultants, people like that, coaches, um, you know, somebody who, who, who provides a service as an individual. Are we seeing brands like companies? I mean, we're seeing people with their personal brand on here, but are we seeing companies? Um, I know Mitch Jackson, uh, I think he's still watching. Um, he has a couple of sponsors for his show, which is amazing. That's an amazing breakthrough for, for a Blab show. But beyond sponsoring a show, I, I'm not seeing like a brand that's selling a product, but I could be wrong. And I can't possibly watch everything that, that's on Blab. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to get that out there because we need to distinguish, right? Like to distinguish between um, individuals selling a service and a company selling a product, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I honestly, I don't see brands embracing it at the level that we're seeing those small to mid-sized businesses, uh, you know, for the most part, where are they going to go? They're going to go where they can put their advertising dollars and they're going to get the biggest bang for that buck. Um, and Instagram is definitely that place. Uh, Snap, Snapchat is still, while it's an emerging market, in my opinion, uh, is uh, for those, you know, like Taco Bell that are just killing it, in my opinion, over there on Snapchat, uh, you look at, you know, BuzzFeed and so many others that have created um, it, just incredible campaigns on Snapchat. What Taco Bell just did uh, with right. the Super Bowl over on Snapchat, I think we're going to see more of that, more moving towards the direction of Snapchat than, say, uh, a, a forum like this. Uh, I think they've got a lot of opportunity there with the um, with the advertising money that they can put into it um, and just the creativity that's coming out of those campaigns. Very different setting than what we're seeing here today. 
Right. But for individuals and people, you know, with a small business or providing a, a service as an individual, this is a great forum because it's first of all, it's free, right? It's 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 free. And you can reach the people who are interested specifically in what you do. And you don't if, if for instance, you have a business where you need clients, you don't need 10,000 clients to have a successful business. So if yeah. you're reaching people who are interested in marketing and interested in social media and interested in coaching and things like that, this is a great forum. So it, it, it I'm interested to see like when this will where it's going to go next, because I'm, I'm seeing like a little bit of a dip now. Right. Like people who had gone in very heavily into Blab um, kind of backing off some people cutting down their involvement or not either not guesting on shows or not. Not not this one, of course, we have no trouble. But, you know, at most shows, you know, uh, but no, but I'm saying like some people have made the decision not to put as much into Blab anymore. Or there's just been the like we got all in and now we're kind of a little tired or there isn't the audience, you know, that, that they thought. And yeah. I think that's, that's probably temporary and that probably happened with other social networks after. I mean, because we're not even a year into Blab. We're not even a year into Periscope. Yeah. And per Periscope seems to be growing, although I don't I don't really follow the numbers that closely on Periscope. Um, but it's got Twitter behind it. It's got the deal with Apple TV. I mean, I think people were betting on one or the other. They're going to they're going to bet on Periscope. But Blab is is so unique because there's nothing yeah. else really like it. Right. I mean, when yeah. you now look back on Google Hangouts, that's so clunky in comparison. I mean, this is so smooth. Oh and it makes it so easy. Yeah. I mean, businesses yeah. could use this for internal collaboration if there was some sort of, you know, password protected firewall around it. Right. I mean, what a great yeah. way for people to get on and deliver a message to to employees around the country or for virtual teams of four to six to eight people to get on and take turns speaking while commenting in the chat box. I mean, any other anything, any other system is going to be so much more complicated to integrate that provides this kind of functionality. I mean, that's the genius of, of Lab. I sound like I'm doing an advertisement. I have no stock in Lab. They're <laughs> not a sponsor or anything. I, I mean, but I think it's amazing. And if people don't want to use it right now, that's fine because uh, we'll continue, you're, we'll continue you're okay enjoying yeah. it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, and, and you know, I think it's it's like anything else. Um, what you get out of Blab is directly proportional to what you put into it. And if you, there are, there are plenty of people that are all in, they dive in and they're doing a show a day and you know they're headed for burnout, mm -hmm. that it's just right. not sustainable. So it's figuring out, what does a sustainable plan look like for you with live mm -hmm. streaming video, with whether it's Blab, whether it's Periscope? Um, and how can you maintain that, whether it's just you or maybe a team of three, whatever your team looks like? You know, what can you actually commit to? And then with anything, um, which relates back to me talking about the strategy, you've got to be able to see an ROI. Right. So what is your goal uh, with Blab? And I'll tell you, with Post Planner, we've had huge success. Um, we, we had, uh, you know, over 400 people on our last blab um, we have had 200 300 on every single one um, so it really takes an understanding of who your audience is 
What do they want to hear from you? What are they talking about? You know, it goes back to the basics of marketing. What problems do you solve? And how are you going to do that through Blab? And then how are you going to leverage all of the content that you already have? So for us, for example, you know, we have all of these marketing assets we're creating, like an infographic or an ebook. And we make sure that we always tie something into uh, our, our Blab of the week and then you know we're we're trying to come up with creative ways uh to direct people over to that content so you really have to be strategic and think about why am i using this marketing platform and just like anything else in social media how is it supporting my overall goals how is it helping me get to where i want to be and is it moving me closer or is it just sucking up a whole lot of my time and my mm -hmm. energy when i could be focused on, on something else, because to be honest, like you said, you know, based on the people that are using Blab, they don't have the bandwidth to put a whole lot of time and energy into something that they're not getting something out of. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, um, for lack of a better term, uh, right. nobody has the time to waste on, on something that is not, like I said, support those goals within your business. So I think you have to think long and hard about, hey, it's 2016, where is your time best spent? So you think that probably building an email list is a big is a big factor in getting getting all oh, that yeah. attendance, right? Because not only oh, are people absolutely. going from Blab to Post Planner and, and downloading content and signing up, but they're getting emails and they're getting notifications because they signed up, which is drawing people from the email list, right, to, to the blabs who then may become customers if they hadn't become customers yet as they learn more about how to use different tools and use different um, yeah. things with social media. So just give us a, a brief overview of Post Planner for people who aren't familiar with it and how it can help them with their, their social media management. Yeah, certainly. So Post Planner is a social media management tool and it helps you find, plan and post content. Um, but it, the, the big differentiator uh, within Post Planner is the algorithm and the fact that it allows you to be predictable within your social media. And I, I think we, we hear that term thrown around a lot, you know, data driven, how do I know what's working and what's not? And uh, that's exactly what Post Planner does. It takes a look at how popular content has already been. So how has it performed? Uh, across social media already. And it allows you to take a look at that and say, oh, well, okay, uh, this has got four stars based on the algorithm or five stars. And so uh, it has performed already very well. Uh, and instead of just randomly going out there and grabbing content to share, uh, you're, you're informed. You know exactly you know, what you're sharing, how it's done before. And then it also allows you to pull in all of your other content. So, uh, you know, for example, I see Darren's here from ProBlogger, so I can pull in you know, Darren's uh, RSS feed, and then I can quickly and easily just share that. I could go in every single day, take a look at, you know, what's been posted and then yes, just get do. that kind of queued up and scheduled. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yes. 
Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's one of those ways for us to automate a little bit uh, within our world um, and to the point where uh, it, it allows you to feel a little bit more organized where you have all of your content in one location instead of being spread out. Uh, like I know, you know, we can all start to feel with the many, many different tools that are out there uh, and then also help you be more predictive, as I said, in the type of content that you're putting out there. So um, you also host, uh, as we mentioned, um, influencer chat on, on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what's involved in running a Twitter chat? That's a question I get a lot. I've been a guest on, on Twitter chats. I've hosted um, maybe one or two. Um, but I'd, I'd love to know from your perspective what, what you think makes a good host of a Twitter chat and how you handle that volume of, of activity during the hour and stay sane and, and be able yeah. to still get your thoughts out. Like, you know, if you can share <laughs> just even a taste of that secret sauce, I'm sure a lot of people would love to know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. I, you know, I absolutely love uh, being involved in chats. And so influencer chat and Tran and I had uh, started that. We founded that uh, last year in, I think March was our first chat. And then we had brought Diana Adams on board and the three of us uh, kind of co-manage that, but there is, there's a lot, there's a lot to it. Everything from, you know, coming up and identifying what those topics are going to be uh, to whether or not you're going to have guests on, which we don't do a lot of that because that's just a whole nother level of management um, coming up with all of the Q and A. So beforehand, uh, we write out, uh, we have 10 different questions for every chat every week. Uh, mm -hmm. And then we have three to four answers within that that we're coming up with. So it's a lot of content that you have to create along with all of the mm -hmm, three to four answers okay. to each question. Yeah. And okay. then on top of that, you've got, you know, all of your visuals so that uh, uh, you're promoting across all of your social channels. Um, and then uh, like you alluded to, there's a lot of management on the night of. Uh, so we kind of divide and conquer where man takes half of it and I take half of it. So we will each man uh, the influencer chat Twitter handle as well as our own personal Twitter handle at the same right. time. Um, she's probably got a totally different way of doing it than I do. I have it, it going on on two different screens. You know, I'm, I'm running both of them, uh, it, you know, in two different browsers. Um, and it gets a little hectic. You know, we have anywhere from 2,000 to 2,500 tweets that go on in an hour. Uh, so it's mm -hmm. uh, it can be a little crazy trying to keep up on all of it, um, but that's why it's so important to have a system in place and be prepared ahead of the time, have everything ready to go. We don't schedule anything out during the chat. That is all totally live, 100%, uh, the three of us. And then Diana is amazing at just really getting the community involved and 
uh, getting out there and just interacting with everybody, uh, you know, responding to people, asking questions with all of the phenomenal uh, responses that come at us. So, you, you know, just from a, a very simplistic level, getting involved with Twitter chats can be a huge boost to your brand right. if you can find you know one maybe two that you can become pretty consistent in showing up with uh, on a weekly basis, you start to build a tribe. You start to build that community of people that gets to know you, um, that right. starts to better understand what you're all about, and then hopefully wants to learn a little bit more about you, wants to learn about your business, maybe you know share your content. Um, so it can be a great, great opportunity uh, just to get involved in, even if you don't run one, um, and I would not suggest that unless you're, again, pretty clear on why you're doing it, because they are, they're a huge time commitment. Right. But right. a whole lot and of fun. I, I love them. Yeah. And I, I think that's interesting what you said that you, you actually, you guys do the whole thing in real time. You don't, you don't schedule the questions to just run at a certain time or line up your answers ahead of time. Because I mean, it's amazing. Like you said, Diana will have like, these visuals that go or 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 these links to to other content that'll come right in the answer as she's engaging and 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 answering the questions i'm like where did that come yeah. from oh you know i, I yeah. wondered do you guys schedule that ahead of time or not that that's just amazing we, we don't what, we what don't do schedule use? but we do we do write out you know like i said right. you know so we're coming up with the questions writing out the answers uh, so that part of it, but that, you know, frees us up to be able to tweet and interact right. in real time, as you said. And it's, it's impossible to see every single tweet, right? During a oh, Twitter chat, yeah. you have to do, you, you do the best you can, right? But it's, yeah. <laughs> you sort of like, yeah. oh my God, I want to respond to everybody. And now it's time for the next question. <laughs> exactly, that's exactly right. And we, we all try to stay on probably an hour after, you know, just mm -hmm. trying to follow up and, and see what we missed. Right, right. So, but, but you're right. Yeah, it's tough. So we have an open seat. Uh, we actually have two open seats if anybody wants to jump in and ask Rebecca a question about their visual video marketing, about Twitter chats, about post planner, uh, social media strategy. Um, Rebecca, what are some of the big challenges that the people that you work with have? What do you hear when it comes to running, managing, uh, creating content, anything to do with social media or video? or visual marketing, what what are you hearing? Like, what are the challenges? Uh, I'm sure one big one is like, how do I find time to do all this stuff? Uh, it's probably a big one that you hear a lot, but what are, what are some of, you know, either that one or other ones, what do you, what do you get a lot from, from people that you work with? Well, yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a big one is where do you find the time? Where do you fit it all in? And then how do you manage all of those moving pieces? So how do you simplify uh, what it is you know you need to be doing and make it as easy as possible so you can stick with it? 
Um, and beyond that, you know, I think it's where do I even begin? How, how do I know what type of content I should create? Or how do I know what type of content I should share? Uh, so really understanding uh, what your topics are and who your, who your target market is. Um, there's just so much to it these days than uh, there ever has been before. And yet at the same time, there's still a lot of those basics that are still included. So a lot of, I think a lot of the challenges today are, are really no different than, uh, you know, two, three years ago. Um, but now it's just at a faster pace, at a higher level, and everybody's struggling to keep up. Yeah. Hello hey, there, Mitch. Mitch. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Ross. You know, I was getting ready to call it a, a day. I'm down here in Orange County, Rebecca. And I clicked in, I saw the link, and I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. I've got to watch this. What a great interview. Yeah, you know, this, and is, this is all about depth, right? Yeah, yeah. thanks so much for, for hopping on, Mitch. How how you been? Oh, fantastic. If it was any any better, it'd be illegal, Ross. It's a great day. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> so, great well, listen, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, things in business, you know, as, as crazy as things are now, and there's so much going on, it's always been that way. I mean, for the last 20 or 30 years, there's been a lot going on, and you, you just kind of have to pick and choose which path you're going to go down. And one thing, Rebecca, that, that struck me as you were talking a little bit about live streaming in response to Ross's questions, Blab, Periscope, and some of the other platforms, my thought or my question for you is, um, where do you draw the line with, okay, Blab may not have a huge audience now. And instead of looking that as looking at that as a negative aspect, and I'm not saying you are, but one might look at that as an opportunity to be an early adopter, an early user of a platform, whether it's Periscope or Blab, and to, and to rise above the noise and develop your own brand, develop your own image because it's a newer platform. How do you balance those two concerns uh, maybe for a small business and some of the larger businesses that you might be interacting with? I, I think there's a couple of things there. Um, I think it goes back to knowing your limitations, um, what your bandwidth is, and how much time you can actually put into something. And then like any other marketing initiative, you have to know what your time frame is going to be. How much time are you going to be willing to put into something so you can truly identify if it's working or not? Because that's another challenge we see all the time, which is, mm -hmm. oh, well, I'm going to give a couple of weeks to it and then I'm going to, you know, see, feel like nothing's really happening and I'm not getting anything out of it. So I'm going to give up and then I'm going to say, <laughs> right, ah, right. Blab doesn't work you know, because I didn't get anything out of it. So you have to know what your what your commitment is going to be as well. It, it just seems to me that this, I'm sorry, Ross, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it just seems to me like, for example, this is the perfect platform, uh, Rebecca, for someone like you. In other words, I've, I've read your blog post. I've never heard, well, up until let's just say the last year, I never heard you on a podcast or on a live stream before, but I, I read your blog and followed what you were doing. Um, I think for me and maybe a lot of people, seeing you interact on live video, listening to your voice, uh, watching how you carry yourself, listening to your message, I think it's powerful. Mm. I mean, I think it's really, really powerful. And, you know, maybe by repurposing this content as I'm sure you're already doing on your blabs and sharing it, I mean, on your blog posts and sharing it across your social platforms. This just to me just seemed like a great way to really show the human side of, of who you are and who Ross is and who I am. 
um, to the general consumer. I think, yeah, it's a marathon, definitely. Right. Yeah, uh, I, I, I couldn't agree more with you on how powerful it is just to take that that next step with people, um, because for so many, that's that's all we've done. We've interacted on Facebook or we've read each other's blogs, right. uh, never had right. the chance to hear you speak. And then all of a sudden, you know, I get to listen to you or and hear your thoughts yeah. on a particular topic. And it just it elevates. Uh, my perception of you. And I, I think that's probably what you're alluding to. And uh, yeah, that is where the power for so many, uh, I don't care what size you are, um, you know, small business or large brand, it, where that comes in, because you do have that ability now to go a little bit deeper, to create that more meaningful relationship where maybe it was just surface level before and you didn't know as much uh, you know, about each other. And now all of a sudden mm -hmm. I'm hearing from you know, your own mouth how you feel about a particular subject or what you're an expert on. So yeah. yeah I, I think it's the closest more. way. I mean, it's other than meeting in person or maybe a one-on-one -on -one phone conversation, it's the closest way to get a sense for what somebody's about. And, you know, you, you can't, you, you can't on a blog post, see them smile or hear them laugh or, you know, right, get, you right. don't get the whole tone of what a question is, whether it's sarcastic, whether it's serious, whatever. Um, just, uh, you know, big, big picture. Um, so one of the great things is you, you feel like you get to know people and, and you feel like you're making a much deeper connection with your followers, with your mm -hmm. contacts, with your friends. Is there a downside in that sometimes we think through live streaming because it is so friendly and it is so seemingly personal that maybe we know people better than we do and that we make maybe business decisions that we shouldn't make? Is there is there a negative? Is there something that, you know, because certainly this comfortable format can lead people to say things that later they may regret, you know, if their boss or their, you know, somebody, Jeez, their clients, crazy. Can, but, you know, is there also, a, a, you know, something to be concerned about in that sometimes we get a sense that, you know, you're still not it's still not the same as reading somebody in person. Right. In, in reading them in 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 face to face wow. contact. Oh, look, I, all I know is I, I did a periscope this morning. The fox is in the hen house type of periscope, right, warning right. consumers about Internet fraud and crime. And mm -hmm. I didn't discuss anybody or anything in particular. But, yes, I think it's I think it's a huge opportunity for more digital foxes to get their paws into more digital hen houses. And so mm -hmm. consumers need to be very careful about uh, who they trust about doing their due diligence before doing business with somebody. And once again, though, I actually think, uh, for example, when I'm watching Rebecca being interviewed, I feel like I'm getting a much better sense of who she is and where she's coming from than if I was just reading her static blog posts. I mean, sure. for me, now everybody digests information differently, but when I'm picking juries, that's what one thing I'm very good at and have been good at over the last 30 years is I'm very good at instantly talking to somebody, figuring them out instantly and determining whether or not I want them on my jury. So mm. for me, the visual connection is really important, but that's not the case for everyone. I don't know, Rebecca. Is what that do you think an innate this? skill or is that something that you you work to develop? Dude, I don't know. I'm sure it's something that you can learn and there are experts out there that will teach you how to, how to read body language and read someone's expression and everything else. And I'm sure it's all of the above, but after three decades of doing it, it just kind of clicks. 
It's hard for me yeah. to explain. I, right, I'm sure right. you guys know what I mean. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more with you. And yeah. I am just like you. I would much rather watch somebody, listen to somebody, um, be able to actually uh, hear them talk about what I've been reading maybe on their blog. And we, I remember when, you know, YouTube was just really taking off and all of a sudden you could listen to all these people that you had only read their book or you had, you know, right. only, yeah. And it was so exciting uh, to be able yeah. to hear them for the first time. So I have to believe that I think the majority of us are are just created that way, that A, we're visual creatures um, and love to you know consume, whether it's a visual, it's a video, um, our content that way. But I think we also are all striving for connection. That's exactly what social media is about. And whatever the, the live streaming platform is, it just takes that connection to a whole new level um, and allows us to to do that, like you said, um, in a way that I don't think we can get in any other type of format. I could read your blog all day long. It is nowhere near you talking about that exact topic right here on Blab or, you know, doing it on a a, a podcast even where I can hear you um, still not might not be able to see you but at least I'm getting a sense of who you are and what you're all about so many great uh, comments know. in the chat box too um, I, I can't catch every single one as they go by but uh, just amazing stuff yeah. and um, uh, Vicki McFadden so mentioned podcasting and I do think through audio and this may be my bias from from my radio background but I do think through audio, you can get a sense, a strong sense of a person's um, personality and, and what they know and can talk about. Because um, even though I had followed Rebecca on on Twitter and, and her Twitter chats and, and looked at her blogs and stuff, I actually, before I ever saw her on, on video, I, I attended a couple of the Post Planner um, webinars. And that was strictly audio. But by listening to her on, on audio, I could immediately get a sense of how how deep her knowledge was about what she was talking about. Um, and it wasn't just a case of recycling sort of the conventional wisdom, but the depth of the presentation and the way she reacted spontaneously to questions and things like that. Um, uh, so that's that's a positive for audio. But what audio, but on the, the other side that you get with video is how many times have you listened to somebody like on the radio or whatever, and you had an image of them, and then you see them in person, you know, on TV or something, and they look nothing like, you know, they're nothing like what you expected, you know, you know, they sounded like yeah. they're, they're, you know, 59 year old guy smoking a cigar and you, you turn on to like 20 skinny, 25 year old who just happened to have, you know, very old voice or whatever. And so, so, so it's like on one hand, you can, you can certainly tell personality and knowledge to a certain extent, but on the other hand, there's nothing like seeing people. And that's, that's the beauty of live, live streaming. I'm going to pop off because I just wanted to say hi and let Rebecca know how much I appreciate her work and Ross and say hi to you. You know, it's interesting before I go, I used to fly hang gliders back in the day with a very well-known local FM DJ in Tucson, Arizona, and his name was Alan Browning. And whenever we fly and we'd run into people, he was a celebrity in town. 
people would come up and and they'd recognize his voice, right? Because he had this deep FM rock and roll voice, and they're like, "You're Alan Browning," and it's not the way he didn't he didn't look the way people pictured him. Great guy, and everything. I don't know what they were picturing. So it's really cool. Now, a couple of thoughts, and I don't know if this plan if this goes into your show. I'm, I'm going to totally interrupt it, you for one second because you just made me laugh. My husband was in morning radio for 20 years, and his joke always was, "I remember the disappointment in meeting my first DJ." <laughs> because it is exactly that you never envision yeah. what these people look like <laughs> isn't it true you know it's yeah. got that deep voice you yeah. know it's interesting um a couple of thoughts and i'm not a marketing expert you know i'm just i'm just a, an attorney that enjoys trying to you know show my human side on the different platforms that's why i love this stuff because for the first time people can connect with maybe me where it's always there's always been hurdles with doing that in the past and i'm in the middle of a blog post and i i'm going to get off and listen to you guys respond to this but i'm in the middle of a blog post talking about why i'm not going to be continuing my email newsletter anymore and this is a newsletter that we've had for about 12 years we've got thousands of people on the newsletter uh, a lot of people read it every week but you know what i don't enjoy writing it i don't enjoy doing it anymore I have gotten much more engagement and interaction on the live streaming platforms, on some of the other things that I do. And so I'm going to pick and choose because of the time thing that Rebecca was talking about. We only have so much time. Life's too short. I think we have to do what we enjoy doing. But I also think just having two young kids and a lot of millennial clients, they're not reading newsletters. Okay, they're not even reading blog posts. They're Snapchatting, they're Instagramming, uh, they're starting to pick up on the live streaming platforms. There's a different mindset out there than what I think a lot of top marketers are telling people to do. And either I'm I'm out of touch with what works or I'm not buying into the mass advice that's being given out there. Um, so I'm just curious, Ross and Rebecca, what your thoughts are on that. Do you see a change or uh, a change in the trend of what consumers, especially younger consumers, are digesting when it comes to information? Um, does it depend on what companies you're representing or is it a combination of all of the above? But I'm going to bounce out and just say it was nice meeting you, Rebecca and Ross. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks. Great, Great question, you, Mitch. And, and really Mitch nice hosts the, sh the show.live, the show.live Mondays, 2 p.m. Eastern. So check right. that out. Rebecca, I'll let Thank you, you Ross. take a, a, Bye, guys. a shot at the question. See you later, Mitch. See you later. Uh, well, yeah, I, I think he uh, made mention of the direction I would have gone with that, which is, first of all, it, it all depends on who your market is. Um, you know, obviously, if you're marketing to 20 year olds as opposed to 50 year olds, it, it's going to be, a, you know, a very different uh, demographic, a very different group of people that you're marketing to and their use of social media is probably going to be very different. How they consume information is going to be very different. It's interesting to see uh, these, and I'm going to date myself now, these kids, you know, that have grown up with, uh, with texting and with social media and it, what a different world than how we grew up, Ross, you know, and mm -hmm. what we had that we grew up with. We, um, we had to learn to embrace it. It's, right, you know, for right. so many, it, it's all they've known. 
uh, so you can imagine that how we communicate with people dependent on uh, not just their age, but their industry um, and and are dependent on your industry. Are, are they embracing social media? Are they early adopters? Are they innovators by nature? Or are they slower to adopt? So it's really understanding who these people are that uh, you're looking to try to connect with and then identifying where are they spending their time? Where are they hanging out? And how can I best get my information in front of them? I would tell you that I don't think email marketing is dead. I don't think newsletters are necessarily dead. Uh, however, I think they, they've probably changed dramatically you know, over the last several years. And so it's all in the positioning of that content too. But, you know, of course, also nobody ever really signs up for the newsletter, right? They're always signing up for the 10 tips to market better or, you know, five things to, to know to host a great blab or what. They're not really signing up to read the newsletter. Um, and the open rates aren't what they once were, I wouldn't think. But yet they're still effective. And I'm sure um, not, you know, obviously your your following has a big, big to do with why you can get a lot of eyeballs to to a blab, um, but I'm sure the email list also is is also helping in that, and so it's also leading to business for you. So I think it depends, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm I, I shouldn't talk for you, but I'm just saying, like, I think that could be a case. Uh, depends on what business you're in. If if Mitch has a full slate of clients, if he's you know it, he's got you know you maybe you have to pick and choose that which you enjoy doing versus that which you don't because there's only so many hours in the day and you know doing what you were passionate about or what you enjoy doing may ultimately lead to the to that extra you know that extra client or that extra business yeah. opportunity that you really want versus doing something that you you're not that keen on doing and you know it kind of okay. it kind of shows through when you really like doing something and Mitch does does great content through live streaming that, you know, he could do the same thing in a blog post, but he communicates so effectively through live streaming that he stands yeah. out amongst live streamers where the blog market and the newsletter market is obviously so, so crowded. Um, but I would assume for you that, that email marketing is a very essential part of, of what you do. Oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely. And I, I think I've talked about that many, many times on, uh, definitely on my blog, right. uh, just in creating that, that email list and cultivating that, that community, um, that following of people that are, they become an extension of your business, a marketing extension. And you made such a great point about uh, just knowing where your time is best spent. And if you are limited in how much time you can spend, you need to know, you know, okay, first of all, uh, what what's my highest and best? So where should I be right. working and focusing 90% of my time every single day? And oh, I need to eliminate everything else that's not 
in that 90%. That's, you know, not sales generating, that's not contributing to the growth of my business. And then you need to start to look at who are those uh, relationships that I can create with uh, exceptionally talented people that can help me uh, create those great graphics or help me do some video within my business. Because, you know, something we, we haven't really talked about, but my goodness, there's, there's a lot of people that aren't comfortable with video that don't want to jump into video or just don't enjoy it. Um, and to that, I would say, find a way to use video within your business, but don't put yourself into a situation where you don't enjoy it, which means you're not gonna keep up with it. It's not something that you're gonna maintain over the long term. so why start it anyway? Figure out a better way uh, to you know, maybe repurpose some of your content into shorter videos or to turn some presentations into videos. So there's lots of different ways that you can get into these different areas without putting yourself into a situation where you're overworked, you're stressed, um, and you've taken on too much, and now there's no way you're gonna be able to keep up with it. And nobody says that you have to do a newsletter to build an email list, right? I mean, you can still oh, have no. an email list that you let know about live streams, about you know a, an event coming up or whatever, and not have to worry about you know filling it up with blog posts and 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 videos and different things, right? I mean, you could still keep that list that you use to stay in touch with people without having to do the newsletter. We assume that email list means newsletter, but email marketing doesn't have to be newsletter. I have, based, never, right? I have never done a newsletter ever. Um, <laughs> and so no, definitely does not. The important thing is that you're staying in front of your email list and that you're offering valuable information. So if you're just putting out yeah, a newsletter for the sake of pushing content out, you're doing it for the exact wrong reasons. Um, if you can't look at that, and, and the question I ask myself, uh, you know, with everything I put out there is, as my audience, why should I care? Prove to me why yeah. I should care, why I should take action on that content, why I should download it, why I should click on it, why I should read it. Um, and it's just like that with your newsletter, with anything else. If you can't answer that question, then you should scrap it or at least put it yeah. on the back burner until you can find a good a good answer to it. Well, as Geraldo says, he did just purchase two items from two different newsletters that he opted into. So, uh, you know, his his example shows that they're not dead either. So there's there's a there's a lot of different valid uh, ways ways to go. Anyway, we're, we're up against the top of the hour. Thank you so much, Rebecca. It's it's amazing talking to you. I'm so glad we had a chance to talk. I hope we can uh, continue the conversation um, offline definitely. at some point. And um, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. It's RebeccaRedice.com. Uh, she's CMO for Post Planner. Check them out as well. And she works with Relay. Uh, thanks to uh, them for stopping by. Chocolate Johnny's here. A lot of great, a lot of great people stopping by. Thanks to Mitch for coming on. And also we have a new website for the show, livestreamstars.tv, livestreamstars.tv. I haven't added an email opt-in yet, so I've 
got to make that decision as well. Uh, next week, Vincenzo Landino joins us. Uh, Vincenzo Landino from the Brand Boost podcast will be here. Um, thanks again, Rebecca, and everybody have a great evening and a great week. Thank you, Ross. Bye-bye.